0: A Day Podcast.
1: Wednesday, April 20th, 2022, One week away from draft miss Eve. Welcome to the Pack a Day Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host for a second consecutive week. I was able to make it this time around, so I'm appreciative of that. I'm your host, I'm Jacob Westendorf. I am joined tonight by Owen Reese. I am not joined. By Russell Brown. He is big timing us. Uh so Owen, I, I just want your general commentary on that.
2: Uh yeah. Well, the thing is is, and you'll get to this point fairly soon. Um, but Russ has a kid, so flex for him. <laughs> um I know Russ had sex at least one time, like twelve years ago. Um, but no, so he's he's got a lot going on. He's he's kind of moving up in the world and doing a lot of the stuff with the Detroit media as well. So um Busy day. I know his kid, I'm sure, is in the middle. I swear his kid plays baseball year-round, so he's in the middle of that, too. So he's got a lot going on.
1: Yeah, I sat with Russ last week after we got off the air, and I talked to him for probably 45 minutes about his kid playing just – it's sports year-round. He does play a little bit of football and a lot of baseball. Like you said, I think he plays almost year-round for, for that stuff. He was telling me they start hitting in January. Like January 2nd, they open their hitting cages, and they start hitting from then, and they're done – in august when football starts up so that's wild that's crazy but good for russ check out uh cover one that's where you can find his draft guide a lot of good stuff in there i I got my free copy last week so i was able to do that and it's free for everybody not just free for me so go ahead and check that out Uh, about 130 profiles give or take a couple i don't remember the exact numbers i'm trying to remember what russ said last week on the fly and i can't count them all in front of you guys here so um a lot of good stuff in there, though. Uh, get an opportunity there. And then the Green Bay Draft Guide, which you can find my um, pinned tweet over at GameOnWI on Twitter, 225 draft profiles. That one's going to cost you a little bit of money, though, but it is just a little bit less than what I call your standard cup of coffee at Starbucks, but I don't know what how much coffee costs at Starbucks. But what I do know is our topic tonight, we have the interior offensive line for the Packers, and it's a position near and dear – Uh, to the two of us. Owen much better than I was at playing these positions, but I also uh, played them. Throughout my time, I was a a left guard and I played center and I actually played right guard. Between all of my years in high school, I played uh, the entire interior. My personal favorite position, the one I was the best at was center. Um, So we'll get a chance to talk some Josh Myers tonight and talk some Tyler Linderbaum and, and some other guys that that Green Bay might be interested in uh, for that. But, Owen, oh, what I want to start with when it comes to this interior is just like we did last week, and we don't need to talk about Alton Jenkins. We did that last week. But the other guys, John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, Royce Newman, kind of go down the line. But what's your assessment of this Packers group in the interior part of their offensive line as we get into the nitty-gritty of the draft and potentially adding to it?
2: Yeah, uh, so I think that's the position where, <clears throat> and depending on who's looking and how, how closely they are, Uh, Green Bay does get actually quite a bit of credit for being like the uh, the team that drafts an obscure interior offensive lineman and they will be good in three years team. Um, But they have done a great job of that. John Runyon Jr. was, I believe, a fifth round pick. Um, Josh Myers, obviously a second rounder. A couple years ago, but then uh, or last year, excuse me, but then um, Royce Newman, again, a mid round. I believe he was a fourth round pick last year. Uh, Jake Hansen is still kind of lingering on the, on the roster. He was a sixth round pick a couple of years ago. So Green Bay has done a very good job. Lucas Patrick was and hung around for forever, was an undrafted free agent. They've done a very good job of optimizing these mid round or late round picks um, and be able to use them and, and make them very valuable. They've gotten comp picks from Scott Wells, from Corey Lindsley, from J.C. Treader, other offensive linemen that have left in free agency and they've been able to replace. Uh, generally with with little to no um, dip uh, TJ Lang Josh Sutton even the if you really want to reach back Marco Rivera Mike wall right they, they've had a lot of very good interior offensive linemen throughout the years and they've um, rarely stuck around to pay them big money right because they've found that their scouting methods have, have, have uh, given them a lot of talented kids and a lot of younger guys. Um, as we kind of see a tackle, right, with Yosh Neiman, right, like the, they've done a good job developing young players and they've been able to keep them around um, and get their use out of them. So I don't think uh, – give for the sake of this conversation, because we've, we've just talked about three interior guys, we'll say that Elton Jenkins ends up moving to right tackle when he's healthy. Uh, I think if your interior three are John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, and Royce Newman, you could do a lot worse. Uh, I would say that Royce Newman is pretty easily the third in that group. Uh, as far as um, where they're at as a player, he's, he obviously has has room to grow. Um, in particular, uh, identifying stunts and games in front of him uh, was something he really struggled with last year. But um, overall, an ascending group, an ascending uh, position at you know both both guard spots, and, and obviously Myers will continue to prove as well at center. So, to me, I think it's a a position that, and you and I agree on this, right? Like you need to take offensive linemen every single year. Uh, but it's it's one of those positions where it's certainly not a trouble spot on the Packers roster, which is not something that every team in the league can always say. Uh, so as far as peace of mind for us, um, that's that's a good spot to be in.
1: Yeah, it is, and I think that the Packers have a really good um, opportunity to potentially enhance this spot. Right, they've got a couple things. John Runyon had a good second season um and you imagine he's only going to get better he's got that pedigree obviously his dad was a longtime nfl starter played right tackle for the eagles for a really long time and he was a really good player runyan has got that potential going for him and he's good in his own right uh he was in my opinion i was surprised that he wasn't <clears throat> the packers uh, preferred starter at guard to start the season last year i thought that he was their best performer at that position in training camp but it didn't work out that way they went with lucas patrick and royce newman start the year. It took all of one game for John Runyon to supplant uh, Lucas Patrick and and jump into the lineup that way uh, next to Josh Myers and of course uh, Royce Newman played right guard for most of the season until the very end of the year. What it, Josh Myers was a second round pick last year like you mentioned. Uh, in and out of the lineup. Had a weird finger injury that kept him out of a game and then he had a, a knee injury as well. So it is a small sample size. I he, I think he played less than 10 games last year. I don't have it in front of me but he played uh, not very many games last year, but what was your general assessment of him as, as a potential building block? Because obviously every fan ever does the whole thing where they draft this guy, but they could have also drafted this guy. And they could have drafted this guy, happened to be Creed Humphrey, who may have been one of the better players at his position in the entire sport last year. So that's where the Myers thing gets a little interesting, at least from the fact that they play the same position. But what was your assessment of Myers
2: early in the year? Uh, yeah, I, I thought he was fine. Uh, and he was. There were um, there were times where he could have improved or been better. However, he was a rookie at a position, uh, which, for those unfamiliar, the center is generally the one making the calls along the offensive line. Depending on the offense, he's also responsible for identifying the mic or the point linebacker, which is kind of where um, where you identify that spot will will hinge and rotate the entire defensive scheme and pass pro and stuff around. Right, so that's that's a pretty pivotal spot, uh, no pun intended, as far as that goes. I thought he was fine. I thought there were there were some pretty encouraging signs at points, but also, it probably not always a great omen if a, a position on the interior is dealing with durability issues early. I don't know if that'll be anything moving forward. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to put that on a young kid because that's obviously not something that he can control. But as far as that goes, I thought he was fine. I think the Packers given their depth along the interior kind of probably got bailed out with that. That'll be something to see. I was not always the biggest advocate for Lucas Patrick, not that he really did anything wrong. I was just, he was always one of those guys I felt that, that could be replaced or upgraded, but his ability to play center and guard was huge. Uh, and that's something where it would not surprise me to see the Packers bring in uh, either draft a center or, or develop someone there potentially as an undrafted free agent, as someone that could come in and and bounce between guard and center. Uh, as I, I, to my knowledge, Jake Hansen is probably a center only, uh, which doesn't always have a ton of space um, or, or chance to make a forty-six man roster on game day, just because you got to be able to play multiple. Uh, so he's also a guy that, in in that respect, I think can be upgraded or can be. Um, improved upon. So I think that's probably a, a likely scenario. Keeping in mind, the Packers are generally, uh, Josh Myers is only the second, third interior offensive lineman that was pay- taken by the Packers that had no college experience at tackle since like 2004. Uh, Corey Lindsley, ironically enough, was one of the other two, uh, another Ohio state center. But so, Keeping that in mind, right? Uh, the Packers generally take guys that have experience at tackle to be interior offensive linemen, and there are a few of those guys. Um, our buddy Justice Mosqueda who writes over at Acme Packing and Company and does some other stuff. Has a list of all of the the draft prospects that have passed through uh, Packers perceived uh, positional thresholds testing wise, and there are a few guys that played tackle uh, in college that could be a uh, potential Packers. So I think that, that's probably where you start at um, in that respect. I, I mean, obviously like, and the more guys they take that were just traditional conventional interior offensive linemen, you'll consider them as well. Um, but a few guys really that, that kind of fit the Packers type, if you will, um, to look at for this interior offensive line group.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.
1: And it'll be interesting. I looked uh, while you were talking there and Josh Meyer started six games last year. So that's, that's not a lot. Like you mentioned, durability issues. That was a thing when he was at Ohio state too. So that's a concern, I guess, moving forward, but it is a tough spot. You got, it's not even just that he started six games and was a rookie playing center, but he's also a rookie playing center in an offense. That's that's run by Aaron Rodgers, And that's a guy who famously bleeds the play clock all the way down. And it's a hell of a lot harder as a rookie to learn that position where, you know, it's not as simple as walk the line of scrimmage. I know this is the play and this is what we're going to run. And I got to find all this. Now it's Rogers making dummy calls and audibles and just all the other stuff that goes in with it. So kudos to Myers for being even close to developing and able to do that as well as he did uh, a year ago. And like you mentioned, they've got a lot of guys that way. I do wonder, I know I've pointed out before every, every year, since Brian Gutekunst became the general manager, he has signed a free agent offensive lineman and he has drafted at least one. I do wonder, does that free agent this year, if he were to sign one and continue that trend, is that a, that center guard type thing like you were talking about earlier? Cause right now, you know, Jake Hansen, like you said, probably a center only, uh, he played a little bit of guard, but that was almost like a break glass in case of emergency type of situation this past year can't imagine that's something like that. You mentioned JC Tretter. He happens to be a free agent at this point in time. Maybe he's old and doesn't want to play anymore. That could certainly be something. I don't know, but I just know that that's something that uh, could be worth monitoring as we get into that. Let's get into this draft class. And obviously it starts uh, at the top and with the guys in the first round, like, you know, Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green, and of course, Tyler Linderbaum. And let's, let's just kind of get your assessment on those guys. I don't imagine Green Bay is going to be in the market for one of those guys, but there is a scenario somewhere in my head that plays out where like, hey, the best player available is Tyler Linderbaum at pick number 28 and that's it seems unlikely, but I don't think it's impossible necessarily and then you do the thing where Linderbaum plays center and you have Josh Myers play guard. Is that something at all feasible? Would that even be wise in your estimation?
2: Uh, I mean, like you could you could do worse than that. Um, I, To me, Tyler Linderbaum's an extremely interesting case study because he, uh, not completely unlike Garrett Bradbury a couple of years ago, is a hyper-athletic center that's going to um, be extremely enticing for zone teams and zone teams only. Uh, Linderbaum weighed in at his pro day at 302. Uh, and while, like, I'm certainly not here to tell you, like, that he's not strong or not capable or whatever, just simply put a, I think he's 6'2 or 6'3. I've been wrong before, but he's he's not on the taller side, right? Like, Josh Myers is 6'5. Linderbaum's a shorter guy, and he's right around that 300-pound mark. Just isn't ideal for gap scheme stuff, right? Like, we're not trying to have him reach and, and you know, back block 350-pound nose tackles, right? We're trying to get him laterally. Moving along the line of scrimmage, reach blocking, doing this stuff, and not trying to manhandle guys that are bigger than him. Right, so he is a, a perfect fit for the Packers offense. But like you mentioned, I think at that point you then you're you're displacing Josh Myers to a different position. Um, I think that would be a big time luxury decision to make. Uh, that's definitely not a. That's a definitely a want, not a need type of situation. Uh, I think it would be more likely if they were to go with an interior lineman that someone like Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green would be the pick. Um, and that would would be more to – those two would be drafted primarily to play guard but also could probably get you out of a game at tackle. And also, as we've seen with Zion Johnson, um, had played center at the Senior Bowl. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure if Kenyon Green had snaps at center or not. I know I believe he played left guard, left tackle, right guard, and right tackle at a but I don't know if he played center. Um, but as far as that goes, like, those guys have the versatility the Packers look for, but to me, <clears throat> I think, again, that would be pretty rich for Green Bay's blood as far as really probably ignoring more stark needs on the roster for the sake of really building up a position, which, like, and, and you and I have talked about this, I'm, I'm almost always an advocate for strengthening a strength, right, or making that stronger, because when you ignore strengths, they become weaknesses eventually. Uh, but at, at that point, I think probably in that early day three, kind of where they've, where they've done it in the past, that seems to make more sense to me as far as where some of these guys could probably be had, some of these um, uh, projections that, that could be, I don't know, they can fit the same bill that those guys take, um, obviously, they're not as good, but I think probably the opportunity cost is probably more in Green Bay's range in that fourth or fifth round um, than taking those guys at to the top. Uh, while like I guess that from me, you're not going to get an argument on adding a first round offensive lineman almost ever. Uh, but to me, the Tyler Linderbaum stuff is weird. He's very, very specific. Um, and then like I said even Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green, I think, would probably be a bit rich for Green Bay at 22 or or 28, even especially 22.
1: Yeah. And that was kind of my next question on that. You mentioned the opportunity cost and that's where, you know, I've talked about it before is I kind of view the draft through the lens of, you know, a draft b or an, an A player, a B player and a C player. And because of the needs that the Packers have on their roster, I have Zion Johnson and Linderbaum and those guys as B players, even though I think they're really good players. Like, would I be surprised at all if Zion Johnson is somebody Green Bay drafts at 28. He starts on day one and then just starts for them for a decade. No, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think he's a really good player. And I even see a scenario, I don't think I would like this, but I could see a scenario where Green Bay thinks that uh, Zion Johnson is like a player that can play tackle as well and play it like not just to get you out of a game like you mentioned previously. And that's, that's something that's different is sometimes you have guys that you plug in at tackle and like I said you're just trying to get out of there. Like you're just praying and hoping and everything's being held together at that point by shoestrings and bubble gum, but you're just trying to get out of it. So when you talk about that opportunity cost and everything that goes with it, if they pick, if they are to pick, say, one of these three guys that we're talking about at, at 22 or 28, now you're talking about, like you said, ignoring a position that has greater needs like receiver, offensive tackle, edge, stuff like that. And a position, frankly, where there's probably players in that range, like you're thinking at that point, like do I take Tyler Linderbaum at twenty-eight, or do I take Arnold Ebacetti, the pass rusher from Penn State? And I apologize if I just butchered the pronunciation of his name. Or do I take that shot on David Ojabo, who I know is injured, but maybe he wouldn't be here otherwise? I think he would otherwise, but that's beside the point. Um, you know, or do you take that that borderline wide receiver, offensive tackle, uh defensive lineman, even? You know, there's just a lot of things to weigh there as opposed to I think they really like Josh Myers and they think he can be really really good like a and a maybe not an elite player I think that word's thrown around a little too much but a really good starter at at that position and that's why they took him where they did so I think that kind of like you said just to wrap this whole thing up is they could do something like that but I almost think that the board would have to be just completely foobar and at which point you're probably better off just moving back, acquiring more picks and and kind of working from there as opposed to jumping on one of those guys of those three, just to kind of close this up, I guess real quick of those three guys that we just mentioned though, if you're, you know, if you're green Bay and say the board does break that way and those three guys are the best players available, just so to speak, which one do you think is the best fit for green Bay?
2: I think probably Zion Johnson would be the best fit for green Bay. Uh, his, his positional versatility To play really any of the three spots, like I said, ideally he's not a tackle for you, but but to have shown the ability to do so um, as a junior in Boston College in 2020, played left tackle, um, showed that it was not his best spot. Um, But, I mean, like I said, his ability to get you out of a game there could probably do it. Probably it would be a coin flip between he and Kenyon Green for me. I am a big fan of Kenyon Green, uh, but I think Zion's probably more of a – could probably live in a zone world a bit more. I think Kenyon's probably more of a gap guy, but I mean, over, I, I mean, if you've got it made up that you're going to draft a guard at at one of those spots, I think if either of those two, you're, you're hitting a home run. But again, that's, if, if that's, that's the, the epitome of, um, you know, like a luxury pick or a, you know, and ultimately as far as you and I are concerned and probably most of the people listening to this podcast it would just make for an awful time on Twitter, because all people are gonna do is about having a receiver and I don't really wanna read it. So like I, I'm 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 for I mean, right? Like I'm a I'm a big time advocate for plus size athletes, don't get me wrong, but like just take appease appease the masses and take a receiver so I don't need to read about it for another six months. So <laughs> you finally beat me down. I'm defeated. I can't defeated. do it anymore. If I have okay. one more off season of Oh, if they could have just got the pack, they could have got Aaron Rodgers some help. They could have got whatever the the backup quarterback jokes. I'm sick of it. I'm done.
1: Owen's beaten and he's battered and you know, it's bad. Next, he's going to start saying that they need to draft more defensive linemen or something like that. I don't even know. They
2: need need more people on the roster that are 300 plus pounds. But that's another thing. They do. That's fair. Uh,
1: So. I'm not even going to ask you if they should pick two receivers just so everybody shuts the hell up. But I do appreciate the thought process of <laughs> if this doesn't happen, my time on Twitter gets worse. And You're I know have, I'm
2: having a bad time. You guys are really going to have a bad time. So let's.
1: Yes. And I know that I have the option of turning my phone off or putting it away or something like that. But come on, you guys know it's not that simple because that's the addiction of Twitter, right? We want Sweet. to see those things even if we don't. Uh, So let's, let's get into day two, day three guys. Cause like I mentioned last week, I'm of the belief that the earliest the Packers will be drafting an offensive lineman is day two. And I actually tend to believe that they're going to be doing multiple guys on day three. Like you've mentioned, Uh, they've done that a lot. They've actually drafted three in on day three, the last three or the last two years, excuse me. And uh, they've had, you know, varying success on that day three rookies, Royce Newman started for them last year and so did John Runyon. So Did they pan out? I guess that's not a fair question just yet. I think John Runyon has at least shown to be an average starter, if not slightly above. And Royce Newman, they really like him. So maybe he's somebody that becomes an above-average starter for them. I don't know. That's kind of the fun of this whole thing. But who are some guys that you have seen or kind of have thought about, talked about, et cetera, that the Packers could potentially target? Let's start on day two, and we'll move to day three.
2: So a couple guys to me that really stand out. Um First is Cam Jurgens, the center from Nebraska, who probably, if you look at most people's draft boards, may not be a day two guy, but I think will be pushed up there due to his absolutely insane athletic testing. Uh, he's a guy that, that blew up almost every lift or or shuttle or anything he did um, in the pre-draft process. If you think, like, if you really like Tyler Linderbaum, right, like, Cam Juergens is a dollar store Tyler Linderbaum that, like, is 10 pounds lighter, right? Or he's probably 295. Um, but uh, extremely athletic, right, in those zone schemes, the wide zone scheme. That's exactly what you're looking for. I think you probably look for him to add a little weight once he gets to the NFL. But as far as, like, a movement perspective, Cam Juergens is – it couldn't – right, carbon copy, perfect fit. Like, that's your pick at, at 92. I know every mock draft in the last 10 – 10 weeks has had Jelani Woods go number 92 to the Packers. Um, but that's a Cam Jurgens in that third round. Um, he's a guy, or even I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if someone went late to for him. Just like I said, that athletic profile was nuts. The other guy that really kind of shows out here to me is Zach Tom from Wake Forest. He played center as a sophomore. Well, firstly, he's the younger brother of Cameron Tom, who, um, for the uh, hardcore football fans, was like a backup practice squad center for the Saints and the Dolphins for a couple years, uh, about five years ago. He played center as a sophomore at Wake Forest. In 2020, as a junior, he bumped out to left tackle, and he played there this year as well, simply because he was their best offensive lineman, and they got a good center in um, from Damascus, uh, was uh, Brian Brzee's high school teammate. So they moved Zach Tom to left tackle. He's a very good athlete for an interior offensive lineman. I think that's where he's going to move back to in the NFL. I don't think he's got the length or the uh, – he's not that good of an athlete to be 296 pounds uh, at tackle in the NFL, right? He's hes about – I think – I believe at the Shrine game he was 6'5", 296 – 297, Um and even that's still light, granted that's still light as an interior offensive lineman, but I don't foresee him having a future at tackle in the NFL outside of getting you out of a game at tackle, which, I, which I've mentioned multiple times, I'm sure, in the last couple of weeks is a very valuable thing. But Zach Tom has big time movement skills and is a, to me, screams a developmental early day three, late day two center that could also play guard in, in a Green Bay's, uh, wide zone scheme he's a guy uses that athleticism he's a good pass protector um I think you'll appreciate this I watched him uh, so he was like one of my first trial guys to watch for optimum when I started the the process for the shrine bowl and I watched him play for about two minutes and I had to look up like this kid had to play center before right like because he just undersets everything at tackle because I think he's aware of his uh, not athletic limitations but like moving from guard to tackle is a huge space difference. Um, and so I, I, he still plays like an interior offensive lineman, even at tackle. And that's why I think that that transition back inside will be easy. So Cam Jurgens and Zach Tom are to me those that third round, maybe even early day three. But in that area, uh, that seems like the sweet spot for those guys. Um, Tom probably with a bit more positional versatility than Jurgens, but two guys that scream Green Bay to me in that area.
1: Yeah, Zach Tom is one of the guys Jacob Morley turned me on to of, of that ability to kind of play around the offensive line. And it's it seems like a guy, like I said, they pick him in the fourth round, assuming they still have their fourth round picks. They pick him in the fourth round and he becomes a Lucas Patrick type player for them or even a a solid starter. For them, you know, he's in a few years from now, I'm not comparing the players, but he's TJ Lang, where he's a backup for a while, becomes a solid starter before he gets a nice contract from either them or another team or something like that. One name that's been brought up a lot because they have his position coach now in Green Bay is Sean Ryan out of UCLA. And that's somebody that, you know, there's an obvious connection, obviously, when you bring that bring a guy like that. And what are your thoughts on him as as a interior guy that Green Bay could potentially add uh, and reunite with his former coach?
2: Sure. Um, He's a guy that uh, I've seen a lot of fanfare for Um, full transparency. I have not watched him um, outside of clips on Twitter, Uh, but I've seen, I know he played left tackle at UCLA. He fits their type. Um, As you mentioned, that familiarity can be King as far as personnel moves at times with coaches Uh, would not surprise me at all. I think he's kind of projected in that third or second round range, I believe. Um, But he's a guy that, yeah, absolutely. The tackle, Tackle experience bodes well for a transition in Green Bay with him. Like I said, just given their track record. And, and again, um, as we've seen where, you know, when coaches go somewhere, as you see right now in Carolina, when Matt rule has like nine temple players on the roster, right. That that familiarity can be paramount, um, at times. So I, unfortunately I, this is, this is poor radio. I do not have a strong opinion on Sean Ryan, um, just because I haven't seen him, but everything, um, you know obviously the the amount of fanfare he's getting and everything in his past leads to uh, Green Bay being interested in him in that that third round range.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree, like I said I think he has the ability. And I do wonder if Green Bay will do something like this and they haven't done a ton of it, you know where you cross train some of those guys that don't have experience playing center on the offensive sure. line. I don't know if that's something you know, like John Runyon, for example, didn't play center, but I know they did some stuff with him in training camp. Uh, to kind of give him some snaps there. And I do wonder if that's like their Lucas Patrick backup center type now, uh, or if that'll be, I mean, I guess there's questions to be answered between now and then, but Ryan is somebody else that I think that they could move along the offensive line, give some more experience at center and give him some snaps there potentially and try and cross train that way. It's not easy. I know everybody says how freaking hard can it be? You just have to snap the ball up to your butt, but I promise you it's not that simple. Uh, And and snapping shotgun, you're essentially doing it blind, like you're throwing a pass blindly uh, and between your legs and kind of unnaturally. It's just not as simple as that. And the timing of the entire play, I tell you what, if you guys think this is simple, go back and watch. I've watched, and this is a really, really elementary example, quite literally, but I watched a seventh grade team try and run the spread as seventh graders, and their center could not snap the ball to the quarterback. Well, when you're trying to run – Jet sweeps and pop passes and all that stuff like they're trying to run in the center can't get the ball back there when it's supposed to be the entire play is based off of timing. So the incorrect ability or the inability to get the ball back to the the quarterback, obviously, is going to be a problem. Uh, but snapping the ball is not as simple as just lift the ball up as quickly as possible. Uh, there's some skill and you got to be Basically be able to sometimes you're moving like your snapping hand and you're off foot at the same time or close to the same time and trying to get off that way. So it's uh it's a fun one and Green Bay is gonna do uh, a lot of things to to try and solidify that group on their offensive line. Let's go uh to the end here, some potential undrafted gems. Last year, Green Bay had, like I said, three guys later in the draft. Undrafted free agents obviously have done uh really nice in Green Bay over the last decade. There's even a this is widely accepted that agents of undrafted free agents kind of tell them like hey if it's between green bay and say another team you know green bay is the place you want to be because they roster undrafted free agents, so you have a fighting chance to not just be on the practice squad but be on the 53 man roster so who are some guys a little bit later in this class that you think could be a you know a sixth seventh round pick or even a preferred undrafted free agent for green bay
2: Yeah, a couple guys. Um, one, uh, Cordell Volson from North Dakota State is a guy who has played guard and tackle at NDSU. He's a guard, or he's a, he could even be a center, potentially. Um, he's a guy that is going to grit his way through the NFL. I, I use that. Um, it's very cliche, very uh, white athlete ish. Um, Lunchdale guy does all the He's a guy and that, that Cordell Volson, right? So I like disclosure, I have so I he was at the Shrine Game, right? So I, I got to meet him there and talk with him there quite a bit. Um he's a good kid. Um a kid that I coached with at Whitewater who's now the assistant quarterback's coach for the Arizona Cardinals was at NDSU at the time. So I was, had some familiarity there. Um Cordell Volson in Las Vegas, Nevada told me and i quote this is one of the, the coolest things i've ever heard is he was playing madden against one of our other scouting assistants and and then like at an event where they had a bunch of like shriners kids there and whatever and it was a and he said yeah he's like i run an rpo offense run power often and i put <laughs> it on the lips right then and there um so no so volson's a guy um I, I, he's a guy that I think that every single team is gonna love as a, as a prospect I don't know where he falls if it would fit in Green Bay I think the culture would be a, a huge hit um, he's versatile has tackle experience um, is not the freakiest athlete but but would be just fine uh, Dawson Deaton is another guy who played tackle and center at Texas Tech he's like six five he's a big dude he was at the shrine game uh, he's another guy that I think um, I think he played like over 3,000 snaps at Texas Tech, right? Like a ton of snaps. Um, as a decent athlete, um, he's a guy I think they could really look at. And then another one uh, – actually, I'm going to do two more because I'm going to cheat. Um, Luke Wattenberg was a center from Washington who was at the Shrine Bowl, and he weighed in at 291 pounds. But he's a very good uh, mover at center, was on the zone team, on that 12th that, uh, personnel team um, in – Las Vegas was a guy that impressed me quite a bit. And then finally, another shrine game guy because I am unbiased. Xavier Newman Johnson from Baylor was a guard. I think he plays center in the NFL because he's like six foot one. But he was like six foot one, six foot and a half, uh, three hundred and five pounds, very athletic, very good mover, played guard and center at Baylor. I think he's a center in the NFL. But those are my guys, like those would be like my my ideal picks for those late round um undrafted free agents uh just those type of guys that are going to fit in somewhere volson will get drafted um deaton could get drafted the other two may or may not uh but those those are the four for me so cordell volson uh a name to keep track of from north dakota state dawson deaton from texas tech luke wattenberg from washington and xavier newman johnson from baylor those are my guys i think that those would be my priorities mid to late day three undrafted free agency um they make a ton of sense to me um, and you're just adding more, um, you know, more talented guys to that room. And, um, you know, I guess the, I mentioned this right at the beginning, right? Like our peace of mind with the interior offensive line is something that I don't take lightly lightly. And I know that the Packers I'm sure do not either. Um, just given like any fan that's watched the USFL the last week, week and a half or whenever they've heard this, right? Like there are not enough good offensive linemen in the world, um, right now to currently supply professional football um, outside of the NFL. So the more talented offensive linemen you have on your roster, um, the better shape you're going to be in. And, and Green Bay is very rarely um, in a situation where they don't, but they need to continue to do so in order to to ensure that pipeline. So those would be my picks for the, the late in the draft, uh, day three types, but those are Those are some I think that fit Green Bay's archetypes that fit what they want to do and would be good fits in their scheme um, that, again, they've kind of shown to kind of corner the market on or found a bit of a market inefficiency in the NFL. I think that's a huge opportunity for them to continue to build on that.
1: Yeah. And you've seen uh, to that point that you made earlier about just having that um, that pipeline and, and a bunch of different guys and stuff like that on the offensive line. You've seen it like last year. Ben Braden played snaps last year. Cole Van Lannon played snaps last year. And not in games that they were like getting blown out. And Jake Hansen played snaps that year. You're talking like eighth, ninth, tenth offensive lineman. I mean, we almost one of the issues with the analysis that we often see and read is almost like okay, the starting five is good, and they have like one good backup. And, and, and it doesn't have to be the starting five. It's like edge rusher is another example. It's like, well, they have Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. It's like, cool. They're a rolled ankle away from giving snaps to Chauncey Rivers. Or Chauncey Rivers or whomever. Like, it's not a good situation to be in. The offensive line is very much that way as well. And they're a rolled ankle or getting rolled up on. I mean, you guys see it all the time. Every year, offensive lineman gets rolled up on. And unfortunately, because of the position they play, that happens a lot. And now they're done for the rest of the year. Elton Jenkins, that wasn't even that. Elton Jenkins was kind of just a freak thing. David Bakhtiari, an even
2: freakier kind
1: of situation.
2: For people Green forget Bay. people forget in the twenty sixteen NFC championship game, the Packers finished the game with LaTroy Guy on at guard. Because and they ran out of offensive linemen.
1: Yeah. And it was a game like the game was out of hand by that point. But yeah, you're right. They ran out of they didn't have any left. So they're playing a defensive tackle who doesn't play offensive line at offensive line. It's tough spot. That's why when like next year, when the roster hits and green Bay keeps one less defensive back and 10 offensive linemen, and you say like, what in the world do they need 10 linemen for? That's why, that's why. And there's other reasons, not just that one. So that's what we're going to have. That's what we're going to do next week. We will have a seven round mock draft that you guys are going to want to tune into. And I look forward to it. Um, Although now Owen is saying just pick a receiver so he doesn't have to worry about it on Twitter. i got to see if he returns to form next week and tells me not to pick receivers as we get into this spot through our seven-round mock. Hopefully we have Russ back for that. But we'll be able to do that. You can follow me on Twitter in the meantime, at Jacob Wester. If you can follow Owen, he's at Reese underscore draft. Owen, has she texted you back yet? That's my only question.
2: No. No, I think uh, I think her charger is broken. Um <laughs> But we're going to wake up tomorrow. We're going to try to push this boulder. So we're going to be all right. Beatings. That's all right. Like, I'm a beaten man right now. Like beatings will continue until morale improves. So I say that to my kids all the time.
1: <laughs> like That's probably not a good thing. But yeah, well, um, well,
2: better get Owen's up.
1: wife. That's right. Owen's wife. If you're listening to the show, please text him back. He's just worried. That's all we want. He's
2: just worried. I mean, I'm a good man. Always, I love my wife.
1: And her boyfriend.
2: Uh, I'm sure he loves her too.
1: (laughs) There you have it, guys. We'll have done that. Catch those. We'll see us next week. Again, seven-round mock draft uh, and everything else going on between now and then. A lot of fun. Debo Samuel, trade rumors, A.J. Brown. God knows what else is going on. So send your ridiculously stupid trade packages out uh, and get those going because your fake trades, every fake trade, including mine, they all suck. That's my advice for you guys until next week. Thanks for listening. See you then.